Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Nia, your host today of One P Talk Radio. I hope you have enjoyed your week. And it is Sunday, the day before Labor Day. And we are here to do a little bit of chatting. I've been out for a while, but that's all good. I'm here now. That's all that matters. I had a good little break, actually. I enjoyed my time away. And uh, it's always much needed. Anytime you could take a break, especially especially during these times, I recommend that you do so. (laughs) So I usually start with my One Purpose magazine updates, as you all know. Um, If you listen and if you don't listen, I start with One Purpose magazine updates. Again, I am the publisher and managing editor for One Purpose magazine, www.onepurposemagazine.com. And I... um, always give an update of what's going on in the magazine and what's new, uh, what we're working on. And right now I am looking to hire interns. I have positions posted for editorial intern, a uh, social media intern, and a graphic design intern. The jobs are posted at Columbia College Chicago. That's where I'm starting to seek first. Um, and then I'll probably move on if I don't find what I, the individuals that I need there, then I'll probably move on to the City Colleges of Chicago. But I am seeking interns for the fall semester. Also new with the magazine is I have a survey out right now um, where I am trying to figure out what works best for my media platform. And I believe in giving the people what they need, giving my community what they need and seek. So I'm getting information back from from um, the black community to find out what they're looking for from media organizations, especially local ones. So I've been getting some feedback and I'm pretty in tune with the, the feedback is pretty much in tune with what my mission is and what it it has been and it's focusing on Uh, the greatness of everyday people. So it it seems like people want that. So that's a good thing. Also, I have a nomination nomination form out right now for, uh, I'm looking for people to profile for the next issue of the magazine. I'll be celebrating 10 years in business. And so I am looking for people to profile for that. So I'm having the public submit nominations, and then I am going to go through them with the team of people that I pull together to read through um, the information that you all give about the wonderful people that you know, and we'll make the selection of 10 individuals to profile from, from, from those nominations. So that is, I'm so, I'm looking forward to that. I love getting to know people in the community. So the next topic that I have in store is self-love topic. (laughs) I always have to be so dramatic, and I wonder where my daughter gets it from. And she's not with me in the studio today, I know. Uh, When she's not around, I miss her. But I have a self-love topic, and it is pretty personal. It is uh, sharing an excerpt from my book, As I Self by Nia, as I self by Nia.com is an 
it is online, so you can visit ssbymia.com and find out more about the book there. But as you know, if you've been following me, that I had planned to launch my book this year. Didn't get around to do it because I didn't wasn't able to do it with how I wanted to do it in person because of COVID-19, but that's okay. So I have an excerpt for that I want to share. That is, uh, for, it's chapter two. It's from chapter two. And like I said, it's pretty personal, but I think once you listen, you'll get the point. Here it is. I will never forget when I was around seven years old, me, my mom, and my brother lived in the south suburbs of Chicago, as I mentioned. I moved from the city while in elementary school. However, we still had extended family that lived in the heart of Inglewood, a high-crime area of Chicago. The block my family lived on, every house was occupied by a piece of history for me. My mother would drop me off at my grandfather's house in the summer on the weekdays, very early in the morning. I would sit on the porch and wait for the elders to take, take a seat on their porches. And I would sit and just listen to their wisdom. One day, I sat on the porch and I gazed up and saw a man standing on the rooftop across the street. The house belonged to my father's family. And when I looked up, surprisingly, I saw a man who resembled my estranged father. As I squinted, the man waved at me. At that point, I knew it was him, because one father would not recognize his daughter. I am the type of person who has to do something when I get excited. I don't like to be overwhelmed by any emotion. I jumped up, and I went to make myself a cold drink and grabbed a snack. And I went back to the porch. When I sat down, I noticed the truck was pulling off. In my head... I was creating this moment that my dad would come and hug me and tell me how much he missed me. That was the very first time in my life I felt abandoned and rejected. I thought my father had a legit reason for not coming around, but that moment made me feel somewhat unlovable. Oh, those moments as a child we all carry, right? We all have those moments of brokenness inside of us where, and as we grow and mature, we learn that those buried issues we have to deal with, those childhood traumas, they really can hinder us in adulthood. And really, I go on when I'm reading the book to, because I convince myself of that situation, you know. I have to ask my dad because we do have a pretty good relationship now, but, you know, I was just describing that moment and how I felt in that moment. But I go on in the book to say that I don't even know if that was my father. <laughs> I just, I just created as a child, I created this image, this, you know, story in my head that that man was him. I'm going to have to ask him one day. I have not asked him, but, um, I, I think that sometimes we do that and, you know, when we begin to journal through our experiences as children, then you really realize uh, some of those pivotal moments that impacted you, those moments of trauma. And sometimes even, you know, when you're going through them as an adult, you have to ask yourself, is it, was what I experienced even real? <laughs> Oh, as I created my own trauma. 
of course it's traumatic when your father isn't in your life as as a child. That alone is enough trauma. But to, um, you know, we have moments that we reflect on and we have to just dissect if those moments were true and if the feelings that we have from them are, um, you know, they're valid, but did we create the scenario in our head that created those emotions? I'm sure a great therapist could, could talk through that quicker and I mean, easier, not quicker, but that's why we all should be seeing a therapist. <laughs> that's why we all should get some help. Uh, I recommend it that we seek therapy. And I know that it's not an easy thing to do in the black community, um, but there are more and more uh, therapists that are available that are culturally aware. Um, and, and, but the resources are slim. So hopefully um, through community organizations and other resources, they can find a way to make therapy feasible for everyone across the spectrum. So that's that. Deal with those buried issues. That's what I. That's what it boils down to: the self love. Deal with those buried issues. Journal. I always tell people that journaling is really an underrated gift. You know, uh, keeping a journal, writing down your experiences, it it, it really helps. It, it's a it's a method of therapy on its own. A method. It's not a substitute for therapy. It's it's, it's a tool. So now we can move forward to our culture news, culture topic. So a couple, maybe a month ago, I had brought up Ice Cube's contract with Black America, and he had some great plans on police reform and community reform that came up in uh, his contract. But really what stood out for me that I thought was something that I wanted to grasp and kind of focus in on was the entertainment industry reform and reparations. Now, for me, when I hear this and when I think about it, I am so excited because I spent a portion of my education, years in education or being educated in college (laughs) in my master's degree program studying um, entertainment law. And in that class, I really learned about some of the disparities that happen in Hollywood uh, towards black people and access that we lack and do not have. And that really kind of triggered something in me when, when I saw that it was a big monster, I'm always willing to take on a fight, but I always think about going into a fight strategically. So I figured that I create content, right? But there are a lot of people that's creating content. You have content, but do you have access? And so um, in Ice Cube's contract, he has this section that's entertainment industry reform and reparations, like I said, and he talks about mandatory funding for of black studios. Now, black studios are important, very important, because studio access is far and in between for creators. And I was just like talking in our initial episode when I talked about this, about all of the availability to warehouse space that is here in Chicago. We could have an amazing uh, culture for studio, black studios and developing 
film here in Chicago. And I really do think that we need to hone in on that and narrow that down because we're in a space where we have, you know, this was a area that was focused on manufacturing big time. I'm in a building that used to be a pasta warehouse and it's so much space. And it's just like, how do we access all of this space that we have unoccupied, unused space I know that, like, how many office buildings do we need? How many, uh, what, what do they call them, where you can just, like, rent out a, a space or use an office space for a day? We have a lot of that. Why not turn some of these locations into black studios? And uh, TV studios, large networks, and so the creators can have a place where they can go and create and do as they do. And it goes on to talk about licensing and access to broadcast networks and things like that. But I really do believe that access to the studio space is a huge one. And in this particular bullet point, he says that uh, that it will be required to fund an amount yearly. Black studios will own and produce content by black creators and will run primarily by black leadership. Content can be licensed to major studios for a race to thrive. It must be able to create art that that reflects its own views of the world. So true. Racism still runs rampant through our society, and Hollywood is providing the instruction manual. Ooh. That's deep. That that is deep. So yeah, that would be a great avenue to that I think that our market could probably tap in tap tap into. So I'm gonna keep working on that. And I think that uh if you have ideas ideas, reach out to me. If you wanna collaborate on some ideas, I'll be more than happy to collab on coming up with some some plans and things that we can give, create some, you know, you know how it works. You got to befriend people in legislature that like write laws and things. But anyway, I'm down for that process. So if you're down for that process, holler at me. We'll figure it out. We'll connect with good people. There's good people out there still. So I'm going to keep running through this. Uh, my other co- topic in culture news is, uh, so, real quick, not that it is a real quick topic, it's good to spend time on these topics, uh, but last week, my with my employer, we dropped some Zoom chats that talk about Opioid Awareness Month, right? This is, we're in Opioid Overdose Awareness Month. And so, in it, I was like, there's content for my people that I have to bring awareness to. So, uh, the lead medical examiner of Cook County sat down and did a Zoom chat with my employer, with my uh, the principal investigator on the project that I work on, right? So in this conversation, she mentioned how over one th- there will be one over 1,000 deaths in July due to opioid overdose. 63% of those deaths will be black people. And I know that there's this, I don't know, this this stigma that says that, you know, that opioid deaths 
are not a black issue is <laughs> so far away from being the truth. And I think that we have to stop looking at it like that. It is a black issue. And let me, uh, let me help you understand one issue that we tend to overlook in the black community, and that is fentanyl. Now, pharmaceutical fentanyl is a synthetic opioid pain reliever approved for treating severe pain, typical advanced cancer pain. It is 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. It is prescribed in the form of transdermal patches or lozenges lozenges, and can be diverted for misuse and abuse in the United States, right? However, most recent cases of fentanyl-related harm, overdose, and death in the United States are linked to illegally made fentanyl. It is sold through illegal drug markets for its heroin-like effect. It is often mixed with heroin or cocaine as a combination product with or without the user's knowledge to increase its euphoric effects. And that information came from uh, the CDC. That's where I got that information from. And so I just would like to bring awareness to this and talk about it because I've had conversations about opioid overdose and I've had people tell me in the black community, I've had people tell me like, oh, that's not a black problem. And it's not true. It is a black problem. I repeat that over a thousand deaths in July and 63% of those deaths will be black people. And that surpasses the numbers that they have had for last year. And that that's a problem. So we have to start standing the things and the underlying things that's happening in our community. And not only that, I do think that it's very important for us to reach out and get training for um, Narcan, Narcan training. Uh, I work with uh, an individual who has helped kind of spearhead this project on the west side of Chicago that's called Block by Block Training, where they have one person on each block on the west side of Chicago who, or they are working towards having one person on each block trained to uh, to dispense the Narcan in case of an overdose. So I think that is very important. I think that's something that we need to talk about within our community, at our community meetings, within community organizations, just begin to have these conversations. Find out if it's an issue in your community. Find out if that's something that our, your neighborhood is dealing with. Ask questions because it's an issue. And if it wasn't an issue, I wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> Trust me, I would not waste my time talking about something that is not an issue. We have to help each other. We have to look out for each other. We have to be able to hold each other up. We are in hard times. And so we have to realize when we're facing some something that um, that is difficult. So if you are not engaged in that conversation within your neighborhood or your community, I would say get engaged on this topic because it's very important. So moving on to my last topic for today, another hard topic to talk about, and I want to tread lightly because it is a sensitive conversation, but uh, the main topic is suicide in black communities. It's another one that we like to say that suicide 
is not a black issue, but it's becoming more and more of an issue in our community now in uh, in these current times. So according to the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office, 58 black residents have died by suicide so far this year, surpassing the 2019 total of 56. And according to uh, leadership throughout Chicago, 2020 is on pace to be the worst year for suicide in the black community in a decade. And uh, they are saying that there's no single explanation for rising number of suicides, but according to the CDC, anxiety and depression has increased among black Americans in general amid COVID-19 pandemic. Very true. Very, very true. So um, the the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. If you or someone you know exhibits any signs, um, please contact 1-800-273-TALK. And some of those signs, for those who are not aware of them, uh, are threatening to hurt or kill oneself or talking about wanting to hurt or kill oneself, looking for ways to kill oneself by seeking access to firearms, available pills, or other means, talking or writing about death, dying, or suicide when these actions are out of the ordinary for the person, feeling hopeless, feeling rage or uncontrolled anger or seeking revenge, acting reckless or engaging in risky activities, seemingly without thinking, feeling trapped, like there's no way out, increasing alcohol or drug use, withdrawing from friends, family, and society, feeling anxious, agitated, or unable to sleep or sleeping all the time, experiencing dramatic mood change, seeing no reason for living or having no sense of purpose in life. So again, the number to reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is one eight hundred two seven three talk. One eight hundred two seven three talk. That is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. So an issue, uh, not an issue, but one of the things that they that was brought up in this entire conversation um, that the CDC pointed out was was um, the increase in anxiety and depression. And so one of the forms of anxiety that I wanted to talk about was GAD, G-A-D. It is a common anxiety disorder that involves constant and chronic worrying, nervousness, and tension. Um, the, this condition has symptoms similar to panic disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and other types of anxiety. The symptoms include, again, constant worrying, restlessness, and trouble with concentration. So there is, if you Google GAD, there's a self-assessment that you can take. Um, It is, I believe, in hard times. I would say that worry is normal, but it's not excessive. And I do feel like when you are just 
feeling dread and unease that really impacts your life and this thing with tension like if you are constantly in pain you may be experiencing some forms of anxiety and you you might need to seek some type of therapy and there was an article out about going back to the culture topic when um i believe it was it was the trace and it was a young lady who wrote the article and did the investigation for the opioid overdose. I'm kind of jumping around, but to to bring it back full circle, she had mentioned that in her research that she was having a hard time finding uh, finding resources for people to get therapy and to get the help that they need. And so that is something that I think we need to work on in our community and bringing that back to both conversations, all conversations, I think in every topic that I talked about thus far, it leads back to being open to getting therapy. So yeah, everyone says get therapy, Uh, find a a psychologist, talk about it, but access to them. Do, Do we have resources that give us access to them? We really have to work on that as a community. We have to connect with organizations and people that that uh, focus on getting us getting the access to to the therapy, the mental health help that we need. And I'm actually writing an article that will probably be out sometime next week on these two topics. And in that process, I'm reaching out to organizations and people just to find out more resources that are uh, affordable with around within the Cook County area that can help people uh, get the help that they need, that can support people in getting the help that they need. So there are um, organizations, of course, of course, organizations and companies, of course, that give you information that you can read for private counseling and things like that. But what we need in our community is people who are culturally aware, who understand what we go through as a culture, who understands like the disparities in our communities, that understand the plight of, uh, of, of, of black people, you know, that can give us that support that's a, that real tangible help support that is needed. But the city of Chicago, uh, C, CPDH, uh, CDPH, <laughs> all these acronyms, they have resources on their website. So if you can go to, if you go to Chicago, uh, Chicago.gov, I believe. Yeah, under their government and uh, under the public health department, you can find mental health services and go to Chicago Connects and it gives you uh, just access to find help. You can get immediate help. You could talk to someone. Um, They give you resources for mental help. Uh, Again, the resources are, it's resources.chicagoconnects.org. So it is a it is a tangible resource that we have right now, but I do think that we need to do our work as a community to connect to the right people who understand us and who can give us the 
you know, give us what we need to help grow and help become a community. Because regardless of what the government does do or does not do, regardless of what changes when we vote, get out and vote. Don't forget to vote. You know, that is very important. And uh, but regardless of what happens, we have work to do in our own, in our communities. We have work to do amongst ourselves. We have to hold our federal government, local government accountable, too. But we do have work to do in building our communities. And, you know, we need not only financial resources, but we also need uh, tangible resources that our people in our community t- can give us in helping us understand, develop, and grow. So uh, my time is running out. I am happy to be back. I hope we can continue on with these conversations. We don't flush them out. You know, that's what my articles are for. My articles are for flushing out these topics. But we kind of, you know, give them a little bit of, uh, we share a little bit of the information so that we can pique an interest, hopefully, and so that you all can engage in going and reading the content and finding resources there that can that you can bring to your community or bring to your household or your friends or your church, (laughs) however you connect with your community. So anyway, that's all I got for today. I am glad that you tuned in. God bless you. Goodbye.